Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. Support for this podcast comes from the law firm Fenwick, helping technology and life sciences companies thrive at every stage of growth. Online at Fenwick.com. From KQED. Good morning. This is the California Report. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. That's the sound of people celebrating in downtown L.A. on Saturday morning after it was announced that Joe Biden and Kamala Harris had won the 2020 presidential election and Donald Trump had been defeated. The same kind of scenes played out in many cities and towns across California as people gathered to express joy and relief. Many Californians who celebrated hoped the election results could mean less toxicity in our politics and public discourse. Unity back in the United States of America. Unity, and your name? Shahida Carter. And unity is what? Unity is people getting along, not looking at race, not looking at gender, looking at each other as human beings. We're all people. We all created to love each other and to exist in this world together. That's what Biden and Harris are going to do. And as a woman of color in particular, how do you feel about, about Harris? Oh, my goodness. I'm elated. New beginnings, everybody. New beginnings. But some in the crowds, like Angelica Sainz, were already looking to the challenges ahead on what they say is the need to stay engaged with politics. It's up to us to do the footwork. We have to now, we can't leave it all up to him. Now the citizenry needs to stand up and take action. What is one tangible thing you, you would love to see change like to as soon as possible? I would like to see the governors and the federal government unite around a national policy to combat COVID. Public health is number one. We have to put it, we have to stop what's happening. You heard one person talking earlier about Kamala Harris. Well, with Joe Biden now poised to become the nation's 46th president, Vice President-elect Harris will break a glass ceiling. Other women like Geraldine Ferraro and Sarah Palin before her tried and failed to break. KQED politics editor Scott Schaefer looks at the California senator's extraordinary ascent to the nation's second highest office. The rise of Kamala Harris from San Francisco District Attorney in 2004 to Vice President-elect in 2020 is truly an only-in-America kind of story, and one that may transform the notion of what a winning presidential ticket looks like forever. Having Senator Harris on the ticket was a complete game-changer. That's Amy Allison of She the People, an Oakland-based organization which advocates for women of color in politics. While it may take a while to verify the final vote count in places like Georgia and Arizona, Allison thinks Harris deserves a lot of credit for getting Biden over the finish line. Kamala Harris brought with her black women, Latinas, Asian Americans, immigrants. She brought so many people who 
saw the kind of country, the kind of government they want through her candidacy. Harris, the daughter of immigrants from India and Jamaica who was born in Oakland, inspires a lot of hometown pride from the city's mayor, Libby Schaff. Vice President Kamala Harris will mean everything for a city like Oakland. Schaff is a longtime friend and supporter of Harris, who she says will present Oakland in a more favorable light. In such sharp contrast to Donald Trump's every uh, mention of Oakland is a libelous slander of our diversity, of our safety, of our reputation. And she never hesitates to celebrate her roots as an Oaklander. Since Joe Biden named Harris as his running mate, she has not surprisingly faced vicious attacks and name-calling. President Trump called her a monster. Trump, Georgia Senator David Perdue, and many others deliberately mispronounce her name. In anticipation of the nastiness and personal attacks directed at Senator Harris, Sacramento lobbyist Samantha Corbin notes there was a concerted effort to discourage the media's use of tropes and discriminatory labels for Harris. I will tell you there was a pretty robust campaign of advocates um, who came out and said, literally, we've got her back and really started pushing back on that type of coverage. Governor Gavin Newsom knows Kamala Harris well from the days when he was mayor of San Francisco and she was district attorney. Newsom hailed the Biden-Harris victory as a critical moment for California. And so I just couldn't be more happy for her. and It's profoundly significant for the state. Democrats will have a long to-do list on issues ranging from the pandemic to economic recovery, climate change, and more. Their failure to win control of the Senate will hamper that agenda. But Samantha Corbin, who helped expose the culture of bias, harassment, and abuse aimed at women in Sacramento, calls Harris's rise to vice president-elect a pivotal moment. This will change for generations how young women think about themselves and their place in this country and their place in politics, and that's really an amazing thing. The nation is still getting to know Kamala Harris, and how impressions of her are shaped in the coming years will help determine if there is yet another higher office in her future. For the California Report, I'm Scott Schaefer. And with Harris soon to become vice president, a big task now faces California Governor Gavin Newsom. Who will he select to fill Harris's soon-to-be-vacant U.S. Senate seat? Many are already playing the political parlor game, guessing at possible replacements. They include California Secretary of State Alex Padilla, L.A. Area Congresswoman Karen Bass, Bay Area Congresswoman Barbara Lee, and Long Beach Mayor Robert Garcia. If a Latino is picked to replace Harris, she or he would be the first person of Hispanic heritage to represent California in the U.S. Senate. Of course, there's lots of other election news to tell you about. For instance, San Diego has a newly elected mayor. He's Todd Gloria, a Democrat and member of the state assembly. Gloria ran a mayoral campaign emphasizing how it was time for San Diego, so often proud of its suburban vibe, to recognize its increasingly urban character and start tackling big problems facing the city, like housing and homelessness, transportation, and combating climate change. We launched this campaign with a belief a belief in a San Diego that could suspend the small town thinking that has pervaded for so long and instead embrace the fact that we are America's eighth largest city. Gloria, who's part Latino, Filipino, and Native American, will be San Diego's first mayor of color and its first openly gay mayor. Gloria's election and the election of more Democrats to San Diego City Council also underscores the city's increasingly liberal tilt. 
And on the coronavirus, some good and bad news this morning. The good news, word that drug giant Pfizer and a German company have co-developed a vaccine that might be 90% effective in protecting people from the virus. Now the bad news, California has recorded the biggest number of coronavirus cases since August, and Los Angeles County continues to be the state's hottest of coronavirus hotspots, with more than 2,200 new cases announced over the weekend. LA County Health officials are recommending that people who travel quarantine for two weeks when they get back to the area in case they were exposed to the coronavirus. That's been the guidance for months, but as KPCC's Jackie Fortier reports, it's getting new attention as we head into the holidays. The health department's chief science officer, Dr. Paul Simon, says more people are flouting restrictions and getting together with people outside of their household. I think there's a sort of a false sense of security. And given that many folks with infection may be asymptomatic, or at least initially when they might be most infectious, I think these these gatherings can really predispose to spread of the virus. Simon says plan on small celebrations this holiday season, ideally just with the people you live with. For The California Report, I'm Jackie Fortier. Hi, I'm Sasha Coca, host of The California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse, golden state. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey. That's where you go to Sunshine State. But we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Randal Fattah from Throughline. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. And now to a tragedy from California's past. Sunday marked two years since the town of Paradise and nearby communities were destroyed by our state's deadliest and most destructive wildfire. The campfire killed 85 people and displaced tens of thousands. And two years later, plenty of people are still wrestling with the aftermath, like insurance policies and the state laws that govern them. The California Report's Lily Jamali traveled to North Carolina to report on one company that's now under state scrutiny. Days before pandemic lockdowns began in March, I visited a cafe on a charming strip in Flat Rock near Asheville to meet up with Jan and Tony Dunn. Like so many others, they lost their home in paradise in the campfire. They live here now. But the memory of November 8th, 2018 looms large. They found themselves doing constant battle with their insurance company, Nationwide Insurance. Yeah, we we stopped communicating with them verbally um, because it was just way too much of a problem. It was very stressful. Unlike some other companies, Nationwide asked them to itemize everything they lost. Oh God, it's it's horrible and grueling. I mean, we've had we have made a list that our list has 6,200 items in it. 6,200 items. And, and it's just crazy to have to go through room by room and remember, okay, yeah, my, my office drawer, what was in there? And it's, it's painful and traumatic. It's not right that anybody would ask you to do that. 
The Duns say Nationwide also promised to cover the cost of moving to North Carolina, then changed its mind. We moved 2,700 miles and they said, we're only going to pay you to move back to paradise. And, and it's like, a, 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 that's not what the state law says. B, that's not what you told them. It also just makes no sense. There's no paradise left. Meanwhile, in paradise, fire survivor Jeannie Webb got so frustrated, she started a Facebook page where nationwide customers exchange tips and vent. Everything's a nickel and dime issue where you've got to back them all the way up to the wall, stick the Department of Insurance on them, fight with them for six months to get one penny. Every single thing is like that with them, and it's exhausting. Nationwide isn't the only insurer facing these criticisms, but industry insiders say the company has a reputation for dragging out the process of paying claims. And unlike others, Nationwide has resisted some requests by State Insurance Commissioner Ricardo Lara aimed at streamlining that process. In a statement, the company told the California report it can't comment on individual claims, but it's working in good faith to, quote, fully honor our commitments to members based on the coverage that policyholders purchased for that time of loss. A spokesperson for Commissioner Lara's office says it's opened an audit known as a market conduct exam to determine if Nationwide has been underestimating what it owes to Californians who lost homes and businesses in 2018. Meanwhile, Tony Dunn says climate-related disasters that followed in the two years after the campfire show it wasn't an isolated event. I really hope for all the people that are going to come after us that things change. For the California Report, I'm Lily Jamali. And that's the California Report for Monday, November 9th, a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. Thanks so much for listening. Talk to you tomorrow. Support for the California Report comes from California Healthcare Foundation, ensuring the voices of Californians are heard in California's decisions about health care. On the web at chcf.org voices. The law firm Perkins Coie, a trusted legal advisor to innovative companies and industry leaders throughout California and the world. Learn more at PerkinsCOIE.com. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy includes Schmidt Futures, focused on finding exceptional people and helping them do more for others together. On the web at SchmidtFutures.com. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid, and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio. It was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support.